0: And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at Mythmark.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in escaping the darkness running from my dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Wren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books, we got them too! Hot off the press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only 33 dollars or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at mythmart.com. For more information, go to www.mythmart.com, call us at 870-557-2612, or email sales at mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JSO Modcast Show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to The World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice.
2: Welcome to The World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 141. Welcome. to the world of mythbits. As you know, this is the review episode and as we have started to introduce the new feature <laughs> regarding the monthly winners for the magazine we will also be premiering a special something, but before we get down to all that fun business, we are going to run through some housekeeping because there are some very interesting things we need to go through. So, first and foremost, if you've been paying attention, you will know that we are still taking submissions for Zombie Works Natural Instincts. We're looking for short stories about witches and warlocks. Email submissions to zombieworkspublications at yahoo.com. I'm going to start conceptualizing next bit of business. Starting next week, people in the high desert area can purchase scarefare tickets, both general admission and VIP available at Comic Cult in Hesperia. So if you are in... Victorville, Hesperia, uh, Apple Valley, (laughs) you can, I guess even Barstow. If you're local, if you are within the general region of the High Desert, you can go to Comic Cult in Hesperia and get actual physical tickets. I designed them. They look so good. Okay, we also have some information regarding the Dark Myth comics. They are moving forward With Chronicles of the Unknown. And it will be a graphic novel with certain themes and mashups. The volume will be a mashup of luchador wrestling and horror. I know you were pretty excited about that when they first started bringing it up. If you have something to contribute to this project, email Christopher Harris. And his email is Christopher, K R I S. T-O-F-O-R Harris H-A-R-R-I-S at darkmythcomics.com And, regarding the Open Contract Challenge, the Art Edition is scheduled to begin on October 31st. The contest is strictly for artists, so keep your eye out for more information at opencontractchallenge.com I'm super stoked, but also very intimidated, but... I am going to try to put my best foot forward and then cry if I don't get accepted. But that's life. (laughs) Also, support your independent creators and shop at mythmart.com. You can see what is offered for your enjoyment as we add products pretty regularly. I'm still waiting for our Mythbit shirt to to pop up on there so I can get one because I really like the design we we came up with. I'm super stoked to wear that one out. All right. And finally, please, please, please vote for your favorite contributors at the World of Myth if you are willing to go the extra mile and leave a comment. Uh, We work really hard to entertain you, the readers, and would love some more input. This is also for the contributors themselves. Uh, If you read something that you like, do let them know. It is. It's those little things. It's, you know, just the, the most minute things. Like a rating is great, but... To actually vocalize something is really awesome. Alright, so before we move too far in advance with the review, which first and foremost, also I really do want to say that this issue is really, really good. But yeah, before we jump into that, we will be sharing with you the official audio experience of Penance which Joe has been working his butt off on. I died (laughs) and then came back to life narrating in the death box, as we call it. And it sounds so good. I guess we can officially announce the audio experience of Penance by Stephanie J. Bardi.
0: Please enjoy.
2: The smell of decay surrounded Reese as she lay as still as she could. He would be back. He always came back. Something slithered nearby and she cringed just a bit. He had never left her like this before, just lying on the cold stone. It was always in the hole. This time he had just dropped her like a ragdoll and left. She could feel the damp beginning to seep into her bones. I have to get up. She almost laughed out loud because that is what she always thought. I have to get out of here. She moved her left hand slowly across the floor until it was beside her. The arm was broken at the joint and she knew it was going to hurt like a bitch to put it back. She grit her teeth as hard as she could and twisted her arm back to its rightful angle. The sound of flesh tearing almost made her gag, but the searing pain that quickly followed it made all her senses shut down. She neither saw nor felt beyond that pain, and the arm was again as it should be. She took a moment to catch her breath, tears flowing freely from her eyes and getting lost in her hair. She continued to stare up at what she assumed was the ceiling. She never saw the sun, the stars, or the moon, never felt a breeze or heard the sound of the trees so she assumed she was inside somewhere. Slowly, she moved her legs and repeated the same process she had with her arm. After what seemed like hours, her limbs were back to rights and she could push herself up to a sitting position. She looked down and realized that her feet were not where they were supposed to be. She turned her head back around to face the right direction. Once she was as she had begun, she wiped the tears from her face and stood. Her legs shook beneath her but she remained upright. Sheer determination and the will to survive rode her and she lifted one foot and then the other. When she reached the door at the far end of the room, she gave it a hard push. Nothing. She pushed again and still nothing, not even a slight movement. Sliding down the door, she crumbled onto the small step and lay her head on the cold stone. If she had any tears left, she would have shed them. The smell of dry leaves, wet dirt, and the cold blew across her face. She raised her eyes slightly, and she could see a small line of light under the door. Every time the wind blew, the line got bigger, then smaller as the wind stopped. She watched it closely. It was blowing inwards, not out. She stood again, a small spark of hope igniting in her chest. If She had a heart. It would have beat faster as she placed her hand on the door handle and pulled inward. Light burst in and engulfed her. She threw her arm up and shielded her eyes and shrank back into the shadows. It almost sounded like words. She had not used her throat or her voice in over a 100 years. What came out was harsh, dry, and raspy. She crept toward the light again and felt the warmth on her skin. Paper thin and cold, she just stood for a moment and drank it in. She could smell freedom, feel it. She just had to make her feet step beyond the threshold of her prison. One step, and she was free. One movement of her foot. She stood, swaying slightly as she fought with herself. <laughs>
0: It's always the same, Reese. I do not hold you here. You do.
2: Her head fell forward, and her shoulders dropped.
0: You built this prison. Each stone, each ball, every nail, created by each sin, by each life you took. Every soul extinguished by you. Built the prison you now cannot escape.
2: Marlon pushed himself off the far wall where he had been leaning, watching Reese go through the same ritual she put herself through every night.
0: Do you not think you have suffered enough? Do you not feel that your penance has been paid?
2: Reese stepped back into the shadows, pushing the door closed. The room was engulfed in darkness once again. No, it will never be enough. She walked over to the stone slab in the middle of the room and lay down on it. Begin. Again, the room was flooded with light. No. Was all he said and then disappeared outside. Reese lay on the slab staring up at what she now could see was the ceiling of a crypt. Each stone bore a name, a life. Marlon was right. She sat up and looked around the room. It was not an ordinary crypt, although it passed as one from the outside. There were no slots for bodies. No humans had ever been laid to rest here. Each stone, each board had a name carved into it. Each name, a life she had taken. A soul she had destroyed. She slid down off the slab and the sun hit her again. The warmth crept into her. She stood for a moment, again soaking it in. It would be so easy to just walk out, breathe in the fresh air instead of the fetid stench of this prison. She had spent a hundred years trying to do penance for the sins she had been accused of. Marlon had been her jailer at the beginning, her persecutor. Somehow, over time, he had become her guardian. Each night, he would pull her, Limb after limb, breaking bones, tearing flesh, rendering unbearable pain upon her. Then he would place her into the hole. She would wipe her memory, heal. She would try and escape, and she would fail. Just as all those whose names taunted her from every angle had. She would clear her mind of the memory of what was to come, clear her mind of her duty to pay such a price, and begin the fear, the anguish, again, each day. The night was her reprieve, her moment of peace. That is how she had come to know Marlon as more than just the one tasked with her sentence. He was once a man, not an overly good one, but an honest one, which is why he had been given the job. He would carry out the punishment without fail, no more, no less, until she told him to stop. She had not removed his free will, just the ability to leave her permanently. His body would not allow him to venture too far from her side. She knew he would be just beyond the door, sitting sullenly on the stoop. She walked to the open door. This was new. This defiance. Marlon, you can't
0: ignore me. No, I can't. You took that away from me. I have to tear you apart every day, watch you scream and writhe in pain, and then talk to you like an old friend every night. I can't do it anymore, Rhys. Physically, I cannot stop. But inside, I am dying. <laughs> you know what I mean. Marlon,
3: we are immortal. We cannot die, outside or in. You know what I was accused of. You know that I do not remember my time of change until I know for sure one way or another. This is how it must be.
0: How are we to find out if we never leave this place? If we never seek out those who know the truth? This is not your prison. I see that now. It is your escape. You do not want to know the truth. It is easier to hide here, bear the pain, and play what they painted you to be than to seek the truth. You are a coward and nothing more.
3: Tread carefully, Jailer. You live because I will it. Should that change, your name can be added to the stones that you stand
2: upon. She knew he would pout for a while and come back. He always did. After all the years of torture and pain, there were moments during the night as she re-knit her bones and mended her torn flesh that they had become something akin to friends. He had never loved so when she bound him to her. He had nothing to lose but an honorable death. He had hated her for that for a long time, taking his frustration and anger out on her day after day. She had welcomed it sinking into the devastation he caused her to pay for what she had done. She was guilty, no matter what Marlin said. Maybe not of all she was accused of, but she had taken lives, many of them, each a name now in stone. She stared at the sunlight streaming in the open door. To just step beyond that threshold, to feel the warmth, to relinquish her penance. It was so easy, but one of the hardest things she would ever do. She inched closer to the door and stepped into the sun. The threshold lay before her, small, insignificant, dull. She stood here every evening during the great escape. She always turned away. What if she did not this time? What if she lifted her foot and stepped over that threshold? What would happen?
0: Nothing. Nothing. would happen. The world would keep turning, the sun would keep shining, and the souls you took would still be gone. You would remain immortal, and I tied to you. Since when did you
3: learn to read my thoughts?
0: I don't have to. I have seen it every evening for a hundred years. You come to the door, you mimic wanting to escape, you ponder the reality of said escape, And then you close the door and lay on the altar and I tear you apart until full dark. It is not easy to know what you are thinking. It is written all over your face. Your eyes take on this far away look.
2: Marlon stood and reached up for her hand.
0: You are eternal. You have made me a such. Why can we not have a life outside of this crypt? You have paid dearly for your crimes, real and otherwise. You are the mother of all. Let us go and look for your children, those they created from your flesh. You no longer need to be alone.
2: Reese stared into Marlon's eyes. Those beautifully gold-flecked eyes. She ached to step out into the light with him, to take his hand, let him pull her out. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath, and lifted her foot. Slowly, she moved it forward and put it down. She wavered for a moment, and Marlin took her hand and gently tugged her the rest of the way. Warmth surrounded her. The fetid air of the crypt faded back, and the scent of cherry blossoms filled her. The birds, who always sounded hollow and distant, chirped loudly. The breeze teased her hair and tickled her face. She opened her eyes and immediately squinted.
0: We may have to find you a bonnet to shield your eyes until you adjust.
2: He pulled her close to him and turned her to view the forest they were in. It's so, so green.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. And in the fall, it is red and orange and
2: brown. Distant barking caused Reese to tense. Marlin moved to stand in front of her as a black and brown dog burst out of the brush and skidded to a halt in front of them.
1: Biscuit!
0: Get back here, you fool!
2: A man, dressed in britches that were missing the bottom half and a strange kind of shirt with a triangle on it, came running after the dog. He too came to a skidding halt. He looked around and then back at Marlin and Reese.
1: Hey, you guys okay? Did I interrupt some kind of cosplay thing? You know, this is private property, right?
3: Of course it is. It belongs to the Duke and Duchess of Hyten.
1: <laughs> not for about a billion years it hasn't. It's a B&B now. My cousin owns it. Who did you say you were?
2: Marlon again moved to put Reese behind him, not trusting the strange, loud man. I am Marlon Gibson, and this woman is my prisoner. Who be you?
1: (laughs) Dude, you can drop the character. No one's around. Name's Chris. Chris Martin. That's my dog, Biscuit.
2: Reese moved around Marlin and walked toward Chris. She could feel the frailty of his spirit. He would be easy prey, and it had been so long. She licked her lips, and suddenly she had Chris's full attention. Tell me, Chris,
3: is there... "'Shelter and nourishment at this bee
2: and bee place?' Chris nodded. "'Wonderful. Take us there.' Chris smiled and without question turned and led them out of the forest to a small country home. Reese looked around, panicked. "'What has happened?'
0: "'It has been a hundred years. Did
2: you think things would not change?' "'Not quite for the better, I see.' Chris opened the front door, and immediately they were bombarded by loud music. Reese and Marlin both recoiled.
1: Megadeth, not your thing?
2: Mega wh- what?
1: Never mind. You don't look like you listen to much rock.
2: Reese stepped close to Chris and captured his gaze. Let me make this clear, so there is no
3: misunderstanding. We are not from this time. The last time we saw the light of day, it was 1921. You will be our guide in
2: this new land. Sure. He turned and sauntered toward the back of the house.
1: Kitchen is this way.
0: I see your powers of persuasion are still intact. I didn't use them.
2: They both turned and looked down the hallway toward where Chris had disappeared. Strange noises started to emanate from the kitchen. Strange. Very strange indeed. So the time has come. Uh, I genuinely hope you guys enjoyed listening to that. I know it was a labor of love. It was just a lot of fun. And as always, I'm always so impressed with how cool it is that we're able to work with people worldwide. It's so fun. Okay. So we can talk more about that later. But for now, let's jump into the review Uh, And we will kick things off with Drabble and Flash in our first story, The Time-Traveling Healer Part 4 by Mr. Jim Bates. I think I say it every time regarding Jim, but he always amazes me with the talent he has in utilizing very real problems, very like very real catastrophes in a fictional and fantastical sense to the point where they don't feel fantastical and i always admire that quality in his work i'm very curious to see where the story leads because if i if i know his work and and we're familiar it's it's gonna take us somewhere absolutely amazing so thank you so very much for all your work jim
0: excellent work on that sir
2: and next up vip service by david k montoya I do love me some cannibals. Uh, Like I said in last week's episode, I am very much in an Eli Roth state of mind. So, of course, I couldn't not think about uh, Rooker's Diodato's, he's the director of Cannibal Holocaust, his cameo in Hostel Part 2. If if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, it's toward the end. Uh, And he is actively... Uh, butchering in a very romantic sense, <laughs> Victor Crumb from Harry Potter, uh, <laughs> to a candlelight table, candlelit table. Uh, but I really liked the story, uh, gearing us up for the spooky months, so the cannibals and all that. And it, it kind of made me hungry. I won't even lie. I just really liked it. It was fun.
0: Yeah, it was clean take on the future wealthy there. <laughs> this was weird though. It's like there's a theme though cannibalism is a theme in this issue.
2: I know. Apparently, apparently we are just, we are reaching the brink of, you know, people who've who've had it, who've had it with reality. Excellent work on that, sir. (laughs) All right. Next up, Farmhouse by Christopher Bice. Uh, That one hurt. It stung in all the right places, though, and a very noble way of realizing the memory of something to most onlookers, things are nothing. And it's why it's why thrift shops are even a thing. But to one person, it just it means everything. So, just I think it was a really beautiful piece. As always, absolutely stunning.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely an interesting mental note on everyday situations right there. Thank you very much, sir.
2: And next up, analogy by James Rumple. Can we <sighs> I, I will I will begin it, okay? I will be the first to get, uh, sign it. I will create it. Can we get a petition to get James hired to be a writer for Love, Death, and Robots? I know that last month I had mentioned how his work is, is like a, a fun version of Black Mirror. And for some reason, maybe because we just binged it. But I feel like James really ought to have all his work featured as animated segments on Love, Death, and Robots. And uh, I love this piece because it is the age-old question (laughs) regarding the infinite aspects of the universe and our size. So I loved it. I I thought it was a great existential short.
0: Yeah, he definitely played with the physical space of uh, interplanetary theory on that one. Thank you very much, sir.
2: And next up, Something Better by Gabriella Balcom. I think the interesting take on this story in particular is that cats care at all about humans. Uh, But seriously, it's something different from Gabriella, and a bit of a breath of a fresh air. Overall, I thought it was a really nice, sweet, also really sad, haunting story. Uh, Really great work.
0: As a cat companion my entire life, I find this one hard to believe that the cat (laughs) had helped the owner. Thank you very much.
2: I've I've been taking a beating for my cat all day. I've been trying to take care of some little mats he's got on his thigh. So maybe I'm not in the best frame of mind to review this story right this minute. But (laughs) I'll love him again tomorrow. And finally, The Cruise to Choose by Tim Law. I've worked in customer service, as I think we all have at one point in our lives. And I'm pretty sure I've heard of this cruise once or twice before. Uh, (laughs) Maybe not with unicorns or, you know, fantastical creatures of that semblance. I have heard of demons robbing bank accounts. I've heard some wild things, Uh, but certainly other creatures. Anyway, I like this one a lot at First, I was waiting for the punchline to have been some kind of analogy for another sort of adventure. I genuinely thought we were going to land on bronies. I for sure thought, thought that's where we're gonna land is is on bronies. And it didn't. And I really enjoyed the way it ended, the idea of the contagion. I just thought it was a lot of fun and very interesting. Much appreciated, Tim.
0: Thank you very much, sir.
2: And we have fantasy in our first story, Not Catching On by Gabriella Belcom. This is... Absolutely a real piece from Gabriella. All her strengths really shine in this story, and it was absolutely rewarding. I love and appreciate the innocence of this magic to take the simple concept of parents anticipating their child's magical skills and turning it into something fresh and new. I I just really liked how, how Gabriella wrote this piece a lot. Um it was an absolutely delightful, precious, sweet, funny, cute. Uh, and, and it was just a, a good show of Gabriella's strength.
0: It, uh, it, it was definitely wholesome. You know, it, uh, it was definitely an okay story. Mm, thank you.
2: All right, next up we have, I hope I say this right or else I'm going to look real dumb, Frere <laughs> by Kate McDonald. From the get-go, this piece captivated me. Kate's writing is absolutely the thing of my dreams. I cannot state that enough. And I don't think I can say anything beyond how much I adored this story. Just a brilliantly funny, fresh, unique, hilarious, goofy, entertaining story that had me glued to the screen in anticipation for the next word. Not sentence, Word. The letters. Uh, (laughs) I was eating this up letter by letter. Like, I just loved it so much. Beyond how magnificently it was written, the subject is hilarious. And I love the self-awareness of it all. I just can't think of any more great things to say because I genuinely just adore this piece with every ounce of my being. Love, love, love it. Probably one of my favorite things I've ever read in my entire life.
0: Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed how she used the physical and mental limitations set forth upon the character. And she used a very realistic approach uh, against the, the, I guess it's like the god.
2: Yeah, I love it so much. Like, if we ever get the chance and we ever get to pick favorites for what we're able to do for like the audio experiences... Oh, my gosh. I just love that story so much. So I will shut up now. But, yeah. uh,
0: I can work on that.
2: Love it, Kate. All right. Next up, we have Petra's Tale Part 5 by Tim Law. I'm never unimpressed with Tim's writing. And once again, he leaves me so satisfied with another chapter of Petra's. The way he paints the pictures are so marvelous and like gobsmackingly amazing I'm always just left in awe and satisfaction I really enjoyed the foray into traveling with with this I guess the best way we could word it is questionable crew Uh, the tension is there in the bones of this piece so it leads you Really, to start wondering where we're headed in the next chapter, you know, will will the ghouls' dreams kind of come to fruition? I am very eager. I really enjoyed this. Excellent work on that, sir. Thank you very much. And finally, A Ranger's Tale Part 8 by Jeff R. Young. The anticipation is killing me. Who is the host? I, I just, I can't say enough how much I love and enjoy this series and going through this new set of trials and tribulations with Draven. It doesn't surprise me how much of a standout the dialogue in this chapter is. Um, and I think I say it like all the time with Jeff's work. Uh, he's so, he is so talent at cap, so talented at capturing organic conversation and dialogue and especially especially in a fantastical landscape because we were actually talking about that the other day how easy it is to get lost in dialogue and jeff has just mastered it so excellent work
0: kaylin the true arcane weaver i really also enjoyed the explanation of the staff and why he carries one thank you very much
2: sir excellent as usual all right, and next up, horror. And the first story is Maxed Out Part 1 by Allison Fay. Is it okay? <laughs> I I'm going to ask this with all sincerity. Is it okay to the respective writers if I can in my brain create a headcanon? Um, that between Allison's story and Dave's uh, Drabble and Flash story, that they live within the same universe. (laughs) Um, And I don't mean that as like an offense or anything. I just personally think it's really fun to think about this world of high-paying, uh, cannibal. I, that just kind of brings me personal joy. Okay, besides that, I'm so glad that this is just the first part. I really, really appreciate how Allison has presented the character of Max. He is an awful person, uh, but Allison made him fascinating all in, you know, one... It, it felt so effortless how she presented this horrible, horrible character But make him interesting like we I want to I want to understand you know, and you can't wait to learn more. And that's absolutely a phenomenal talent. In and of itself, for her to have accomplished, and I love the concept because, as I've already said, yes, cannibals, I love them, but even more, I absolutely love Allison's presentation of the subject, and I really, really look forward to the second part.
0: I'm really interested about this character. She seems to have brought forth something that I kind of enjoy to play with. With like, uh, I'm not saying that he was like reality show type of presenter and whatnot but i think it'd be interesting if like reality show presenters had this other way of acting that you don't see i think well, it'd be funny
2: do you know what i kind of thought of and not that that it reminded me reminded me of it but like my brain kind of flashed to it in hindsight was um oh my gosh uh happy the show happy with uh what's his name yeah the he was the tv program like the kids show right host mm-hmm. and he was like Awful. Yeah. Not at all like this character, but like he was awful in his own way. But that's kind of, yeah, there was that like, like yeah. zhuzh to it. Yeah. So,
0: excellent work on it.
2: All right, guys. Next up, Century Farm by Don DeBral. Dang. <laughs> that was intense. And at first, I was kind of cackling at myself. The idea of Armand being like this amazing. The, the greatest wingman slash matchmaker <laughs> but that shifted very quickly <laughs> so I really hope Dawn forgives me for this also but you know you should know by now I'm, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and if you have read the books you'll know the story about Tom Riddle's mother and father and it is one of the most messed up appalling brutal parts of the story that genuinely fascinated me and it's not it's not like dawn's story but there's like this similar atmosphere of it just being such a weird unstable environment under the guise of stability and it just it 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 works it works in such a dark macabre way that just kind of like and it's so good and and when you read it at face value it's a great story but then you like i said you just sit on it (laughs) and it's it's confounding almost like just to to think of the reality of this horror regarding the whole situation but i i loved it don amazing amazing work as always
0: classic don fashion father's wishes of the farm if death comes to it Excellent work on that.
2: And finally, *Penance* Part Three, *Roanoke* by Stephanie J. Barty. So I'd mentioned last month that I am enthralled with this series because of the lore that Stephanie's honing in on. Uh, because we know I'm a sucker for lore. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> and admittedly. I've gotten a bit attached to the story, um, so I was really, really, really stoked to see the way Stephanie pieced together the backstory regarding Reese and Marlon. Um, she's introduced this huge, wild world for us, and I'm, I'm super eager to pursue it and see where it takes us. And I think Steph's got some brilliant stuff up her sleeve, and I'm just, I'm really excited to explore Roanoke and... Everything that she has offered to us on the platter so far and everything that's left to, you know, sink our teeth into. Well, she already
0: put in the store that there's no more Roanoke.
2: Well, there's no more Roanoke, (laughs) but... uh, The
0: Soul (laughs) Survivor-ish. Soul Survivor-ish.
2: Yeah. We know I'm greedy, so... Sorry. Excellent
0: work on that one. I hope that the audio experience has done justice. And this one would make a little slice on, top on the top of the cake there.
2: Yeah, I think, I think so. Okay.
0: Excellent work on that, as usual.
2: Jumping into action and suspense. And our first story is The Bone Carver by Lynn Phillips. I really appreciated and loved the concept of this piece. I think it's a novel idea and it's really unique. I'm not sure if something happened, um, but there were some like weird errors of I'm not sure but it kind of was a little distracting and I'm not sure if I'm not sure something happened um but the formatting just got a little confusing so I I pieced it together as best I could in my brain and also there was like a some casual slurs thrown around but I get I get what was happening (laughs) and I don't think that was the intention at all so yeah I really liked it though I thought the the idea was fun and it's it's really, truly horrific thinking of the reality of that uh, situation because it would never cross your mind. And so, yeah, I liked it.
0: Yeah. I definitely felt it was an interesting story, especially with the concept of the metaphorical art form of creating new pieces of art out of what you would consider quote-unquote undesirables. Very interesting. Thank you very much.
2: All right, next up, The Kingfisher Part 2 by Walter G. Esselman. I am so thoroughly enjoying this series. I love the characters and I hope 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 we get to see more of the dynamic form between the Kingfisher and Sydney. It just it makes me happy to see them interact and I just think that this is like a really delightful interesting and, and unique story and I just really love um Walter's approach to all of it the only thing I have to comment on otherwise um and I know we are all familiar with it so it, uh, um but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say something uh is is we did kind of drift in and out of different perspectives uh so be mindful of that but but that's fixable and that's just like I said me trying to sound more on the nose you know uh but yeah i love this story and i'm really really excited for the next part yeah he does have this kind of almost like superhero type
0: of vibe like a like the next next netflix special
2: well i feel like you know we've kind of outlived the burgeoning superhero you know because we've had so many iterations of spider-man and i think that's kind of um, exhausted us. Save <laughs> but I think that's kind of exhausted us to be like, okay, you know, get to more super, super uh, heroing. But I think that's what's really unique about Walter's take on the idea of like the burgeoning superhero is it's it's not like that. There's. He, tr- it's, I don't know, he did a really good job tackling it, and I, th- I love it so much. Excellent work on that, sir. All right, next up, science fiction. Uh, in our first story, She Who by Steve Carr. This was another very interesting piece. I like the way that it enmeshes a lot of various genres in a very uh, deliberate fascinating way. I also really, really appreciate that most folks involved in this story are coming from a place of genuine compassion and empathy and a desire to understand rather than well, other than the the single instance. Uh, jumping the gun, so that's to how, speak. That's how, you,
0: that's how you know it's fiction. <laughs> yeah.
2: It, it was refreshing to see, uh, well read, uh, the desire to understand rather than instantly lash out in fear. So I, I also really enjoy the very subtle nods to this being's like... Be Capabilities. That
0: would be interesting if he had like a if he like had a military leader up there and he's like, Well, we're gonna have to burn it with a fire.
2: <laughs> burn it with a fire.
0: Take it out with a fire.
2: But they didn't want to. Uh oh yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting story.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, this one was pretty uh pretty heavy in the botany. Excellent work on that, sir. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> go go into your nerd science stuff. Botany. Alright. And finally we have humor. And our first and only story Brave Newt World by Doug Hawley. The fact, I'm, I'm going to pick a fight here. I'm going to pick a fight. Uh, the fact that this story wasn't called Sexy Salamanders, it hurts me in my soul. So next to my James Rumpel needs to be a writer for Love, Death, and Robots, I'm going to petition for the story to be called Sexy Salamanders. Uh, <laughs> I guess Brave Newt World works. But all right, seriously though, I what a ride! A very strange, vastly entertaining ride that left me with my brows cocked and a smile of like absolute wonder on my face. I just thought it was was hilarious and delightful and entertainingly weird, and I enjoyed it beginning to end. And I was seriously kidding about the name thing. I just thought that would be a funny joke. But think about it.
0: Yeah, this one was definitely out there. Uh, Well, I mean, Doug's been known to to write out their stuff, but (laughs) definitely um, I also find this very interesting.
2: All right, and moving on to poetry and our first piece, Returned to Heaven by Linda M. Sov. Grief is a terribly, tremendously big Thing to write about, and I feel like it's because there's no way to exhaust any vocabulary in whatever extent to fulfill the meaning of the feeling because it is so large and so consuming, it's unfathomable. There's even a scope to be able to put it into any kind of perspective. So when we write about it, we put it in these these like small chunks, um, understanding how deep grief is and and layered that it is. And each chunk is just a portion sat atop a whole area itself. And I think Linda captured that grief, the the joy and the sorrow in such a stunning, beautiful, and meticulous way. And I so applaud this piece. Absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a beautiful piece right there. Thank you very much, Linda.
2: And our next piece, Outrage, by Sultana Rosa. I thought this was a really cool and interesting way to approach uh, the subject of demigods. And thank goodness for the little notation at the bottom because I'm I'm a dummy. I'll be I'll be very honest. I am a dum-dum. But Sultana definitely has a beautiful way of putting this this lore, this this entire concept and idea forward and it just reads so artfully and it's so beautiful. And I just it was really those words. It was very, very beautiful.
0: Excellent work on that.
2: And our next piece, Where Do Memories Go? by Anne-Christine Tabaka. This is another piece that does um, a really, really good job uh, capturing a feeling that isn't easy to harness the complexities of. um, The balance of physical memories versus those we can't touch or feel. It's hard. It's, It's hard to... Rationalize that, I guess, in our in our brains. Uh, so as always, though, Anne has the immense talent to present that so beautiful piece.
0: Absolutely excellent work on that.
2: All right, and next up, the tragedies of the last ice age by Linda Imbler. I thought it was a very smart way to have presented this piece, and I really enjoyed reading it and then kind of rereading it. Because there's there's so much being said, um, especially with certain buzzwords. Very p- familiar with Danae. Uh, But I, I really liked how Linda was able to do that. You know, to kind of bring such modern language to... Let me reverse that. Bring such uh, ancient language to modern day. Uh, flip and flop it as you will. So yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting piece.
0: That's very interesting. It was a perspective of disoilment. Very interesting. Excellent work on that.
2: And next up, Mental Terrorism and the Dangers of an Overproductive Mind by Jeff R. Young. It, as always with Jeff's poetry, there's the skill that is required to be able to present such an array of mental anguish. And Jeff always, like, it's without fail, you know, that he's able to kind of present said work. And it it's always, I don't want to say it's rewarding because I know I say that all the time, but it is. It's like, it's, you have to take it in and just really, like, hold on to it, you know what I mean? And I think it's so painfully relatable and just so amazingly and you know, as always, just so, so beautifully and meticulously presented. Great work.
0: Definitely agree. Excellent work as always,
2: sir. And next up, Outside My Father's Room by Peggy Gerber. Uh we are we are really hitting some hard issues, this this issue. <laughs> these these are some painfully hard subjects that we're broaching. Uh, but Peggy delivers absolutely with the this really telling piece that lends to the ache of the reality of the situation. It was just absolutely astounding.
0: I've heard of such tales next door. This one was an excellent piece on there. Peggy, thank you very much.
2: And next up, Radiation by John W. Flukinger. I love this piece. It feels like a punch to the face in a good way. Um, (laughs) I think John put it absolutely brilliantly that humans have always tried to harness the power of radiation, but as as he stated in the, the poem, you can't. You simply can't master it. And that says so much about the human condition and its want to control something uncontrollable. And how easy it is to wreak destruction. Just absolutely a great, 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 great piece. I love it.
0: I hear they have, like, microwave guns and everything now. They're able to like pinpoint the microwave guns and use it like like in the sci-fi. Thank you very much.
2: All right, next up, Heart's Desire by Kate McDonald. Uh, Foreboding... For sure, I feel I love Kate's work and everything she does because she always has such a captivating and interesting voice uh, to her work. This one was intense, uh, unless I'm reading it wrong. Uh, then excuse me, but if I'm reading it right, it's 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 a th- it's almost a threat. Like it's almost a threat, you know, and it's absolutely scary. I just thought it was a really interesting piece. Thank you very much. And next up, The Cellar by Christopher Bice. That was a bit twisty and turvy. I wasn't quite sure where we were going to land by the end, but uh, that was (laughs) undeniably heart-wrenching, perpetuates in all of his brilliant works. So, yeah, thanks. Wanted to feel that wound.
0: That was definitely a nice little walk through memory lane right there. Thank you very much, sir.
2: All right. And Mission to Galpoa uh, by John Gray. (laughs) This piece was a journey, and I mean that both in captivating the reader's attention and also the subject. Uh, I enjoyed the concept a lot especially the mention of the pioneering goals of this crew. Uh, I just thought it was was a very interesting piece, and I love these takes, these sci-fi quote-unquote <laughs> takes.
0: Yeah, my boy, Space. Excellent work on that.
2: And finally, Remember Oceana by Kevin Magnus. One thing I thought was very thoughtfully presented is the idea of self-awareness, that only up until recently a lot of people didn't have to recognize the truths of the world and now it's all coming to light you know it's not it's not like these things haven't existed you know so when we see people saying oh things are getting so much worse or in my day we didn't deal with this uh yeah but that's also a big fat no. It's it's only becoming more apparent is all. Uh so really, really, really appreciate that tone within this piece.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting view on society and what has happened in the last couple years. Thank you very much, sir.
2: Alright, and now jumping over to art. And a first piece, The Night, by Zoe M. Montoya. When I got my Harry Potter tattoo, it's, it's Hogwarts, Uh I really only had, like, one major request for the artist. Otherwise, I wanted him to kind of just do whatever he wanted. I want a big, beautiful sky. So he gave me this beautiful blue and purple, like, cosmic beauty. And looking at it always brings me so much joy. Uh, I, I get that same feeling looking at this piece. It's the, it's the same joy within a palette, you know. And I love the, the graduation of the colors in the sub... The subtleties of the smallness, the the quaintness, I guess, of the subjects set in front of the giant nightscape. And I just I thought it was a really cool piece, Zoe.
0: I wonder what that little guy's looking for in the woods at night. Thank you very much. Excellent work on that.
2: Alright, next up One Piece Crew by Sirius Small. I like this piece a lot because I, I do. I love collages. Um, again, I remain impressed with the line work and maintaining that vision. The only thing I would I would make any kind of comment on is composition. You know, when addressing a piece with, with so many subjects, you know, you're doing a full homage to a group of people of characters see how you can balance it all you know um look at like the old film well not old anymore but look at uh, film posters where they're balancing like 30 characters you know there's always a a shape to it you know so a lot of times it's it's rectangular sometimes it's uh circular just kind of look at that because you want that balance um you don't want to like side scroll your eyes you know and and like you're reading you want to you want to take it all in but that's that's my only take on that so yeah thank you very much all right jumping over to monster surprise by eric o Rivera. eric always cracks me up uh when he presents these colored pieces because they're just so brilliant, and I, I know Eric well enough to know that he's just cursing himself as he's doing them. I hope he's not, but I'm fairly certain that's what he's doing. The first time I saw this piece, I was just in awe, and I still am. I, just getting in close and seeing... Those myopic details and his ability to bring so much dimension into this piece and into the palette, into the shifting palette. Oh my god, okay. I, I do, I just remain in awe.
0: Excellent work on that, sir. As usual, this one is in the new Caveman magazine, issue number three. Thank you very much, sir. Beautiful work.
2: All right, next up, Nazuko Kamedo. By Rebecca Illich, Illich or Ilich. nobody's corrected me yet, so I'm just gonna say it both, both until it's done. <laughs> this is a character with so many details, and it just blows me away that Rebecca was able to get them all in this uh, chibi version, because that ain't no easy feat. So much applause to that. Uh, tackling of (laughs) that workload. Really cool.
0: Yeah, it was nice chibi work on there. That character is from something called Demon Slayer, from what I looked up. Thank you very much. Excellent work on that.
2: Next up, Spider-Man by Vincent May. I always love seeing renditions of Spider-Man because in order to do a really great Take You have to be a brave artist. You have to know what you're doing because you are illustrating. There's no way to illustrate Spider-Man without illustrating movement. Vincent does that absolutely eloquently and super beautifully. Uh, gorgeous. Just great, great,
0: great, great work. Save Miss boot <laughs> Excellent work on that, sir, as usual.
2: All right. And lastly, we have... In the Flesh by Talia McMullen. What a cool piece! I genuinely, I clicked this up and it just made me f- like feel giddy. I love, 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 love the concept and the execution of this piece. It just looks so cool, you know, and it's so perfect.
0: Excellent work on that, as usual. On there, I really like the coloring. Thank you very much. Now that's going to take us to the review section. Up uh, first, we have the special, special. Where are they now? Interview with Linda M. Suave. C. W. Winter sits down with Linda as they speak of the past and present ventures, recalling good times. Also, dash a little bit of history of the magazine in this little puppy, and then uh, go see what uh, go see what Linda spills on the tablecloth in the interview. Thank you very much. Next up we have the movie review of Gunpowder Milkshake by Jenna Sparks. I think People are going to get mistaken if I keep saying it like that. I know they're going to be like how is it pronounced yeah, like this you're like Sparks. Like it's actually Jenna Sparks. But from henceforth she shall be Sparks.
2: Sparks with a there's a j in there somewhere mm-hmm. not my first name.
0: She goes in depth into the uh, <laughs> she goes in depth into the movie and everything
2: as per her review. Use schedule. The movie is a is a feminist movie. Like there's no skirting around that. And you know, we know my my beliefs. Uh, and it's I had read something on social media. You know, the greatest place to get your information. Uh, and it was it was basically saying I I watched a movie with female character doing this this and this, and I felt so powerful seeing it. And it's funny because it's like yes, there are movies that have that. There are. But what kind of makes this one different is these women aren't being sexualized. There's nothing that's happening through the male gaze. It's just a movie with really cool fight scenes with, I mean, it's just, it's, it was a gift. I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Next
0: up is the book review of Gilgamesh by Stephen Mitchell by Michael A. Arnold. Uh, in Michael Fashon, he takes us through the history of the work, which is more than 3,000 years old, translated from stone tablets. It is a miracle. We'll give that a readover if you are feeling that you need an education in that. It's like one of the very first stories, you know, it's crazy. Excellent work on that. Thank you very much, sir. Next, we have the video game review of the top five Skyrim mods for PC by Jeff R. Young. These are interesting mod choices that Jeff presents for the game. If you're unfamiliar, mods are modifications to the original games. But
2: It's like if you wanted to life see so many of uh, people taking like Lady Dimitris from Resident Evil 8 and like putting her in so many other games.
0: If you're interested in those Skyrim mods for PC, go get that look Thank you very much, sir. After that, we have the art review by Michael A. Arnold. Skillful art. Question mark. As I read through his rabbit hole of history and examples of different styles and timepieces, his statement of technical skill, and the question of art, I feel is indeed art, in which he actually... Uh, answer that own question also in Michael fashion thank you very much on that sir after that are the board minutes I believe we actually ran through all the board minutes an episode ago also so if you're interested in that go give that a listen or go give that a read over in the board minute section of the magazine to see what we get up to At the round table or rectangle table.
2: The zoom table. Has
0: not been decided. So, there we have it. Issue number 98 of the review. Thank you very much, everybody, for contributing. And thank you for your patience in listening to Penance by Stephanie J. Barty. I hope you enjoyed it. In the show notes, I'm going to add the credits of everybody who participated and starred, and voiced, and directed, and music, and all that good stuff. Thank you very much.
2: Also featuring Jenna's In Memoriam. Yeah. To when she died reading yeah. it uh, <laughs> in the in the death box. All right, guys, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at theworldofmythbits podcast and the World of Myth magazine and on Instagram at the world of for listening. Until next time.